hey newbies, from time to time, sometimes we like spit out words that we may have covered before and it's an accident. But if we ever do that and don't explain some of the lingo, you can go to nftsfornewbies.com and get a lingo guide or just an NFT newbie guide altogether. That's going to probably save you some time, uh, maybe save you a DM and just have a reference so that way you can educate yourself on your off time if you'd like. And if you get any of those guides, then you will get our newsletter every week, every Wednesday, that is. And you will see what we've been up to, what we've released and where you can find us. Let's get to the show. Everyone is always saying that NFT projects need to have utility to be of any value. So we brought on our friend, Chris Truman, to talk to us about it. And here we go. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs, but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I were true, true NFT newbies. We're going to break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're going to cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. All right, y'all, we have Chris Truman with us, who is a badass artist, lives out in California and is the co-founder and community lead at Creato Ranch. And he comes heavily endorsed by our friend Greg from Base Fish Mafia, Wag Me Wines. He said Chris is the man to talk to. He's super knowledgeable, great teacher, and he's here to share with us about utility. And I think everybody has a high level understanding of utility, but we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and make you newbies some pros. So Chris, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Hey, thanks for having me today. Awesome. So utility, let's give a high level overview. Tell me for the brand new newbie in here, what did we say utility? What does that mean? Okay. Well, where NFT started was that um, if you bought an NFT, you would have the the art object or you'd have the collectible. Um, but that was it. It was just about ownership. Utility came in as a factor where people started uh, innovating and saying, all right, let's give our holders some sort of a reward or some sort of access or some sort of secondary thing that they can do with their NFT um, that provides a, a value to the owner. So providing value to the owner, like, I mean, some of the most overused words in entrepreneurship are like provide value, provide value, provide value. And when it comes to Web3 and when it comes to NFT specifically, the practical applications of what you can do with an NFT are, are kind of, I like to say, limited by your imagination. And like Heather and I are always poking around and trying to find uh, small businesses that are like, what are you doing? But like, what's the bare minimum that you're seeing right now? That's kind of like, okay, duh, that's standard versus some of the more imaginative things uh, in terms of utility. Yeah. So uh, the base use for utility might be as like an access point to a party, you know, using the NFT as sort of a ticket, you know, holdership um, in, in that way. Um, I think it's gone very, very far beyond that at this point. And people have, have compounded utility um, where it's not just holding an NFT and then you get access or early access to future NFTs or, or parties um, where you can actually kind of gamify the process where you use your NFT as a sort of playing card within that, that game context. You're an artist originally. So I, I've heard from our community that I just want to be an artist. I just want to put out work and people appreciate that. And we know that there's a level of, you know, just being a collector or whatever. And I feel like there's a little bit maybe of, of, of 
pressure on artists to kind of come up with a, an added utility there. Uh, tell us when we would actually need to use utility versus um, leave that out and just use it kind of as more traditional route. I like this piece of art and I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Well, you know, coming from the traditional art scene, I think that it, there is a fully fleshed out ecosystem that you're a part of. And so it's not like you can just be an artist and live in your studio and, you know, be a studio rat. You know, you've got to get out there and you've got to be social and there are dinners involved. There are artist talks. There are there are perks of, of collecting. So I, I do think that to a certain degree, there is a, a system that's already intact with the, the physical art world. And we're finding ways in the digital art world to to replicate that, to find connections between the you know the buyers and the artists, and and to find uh, interesting ways to engage your your base and your audience. So I, I don't think it's that different. You know, I think that the NFT artists are are having to use digital means to do it. You know, because you can't just meet up and have a collector dinner, or you could, but um, but it's maybe not as easy. You know, given that people are all over the United States and the world. So they're being creative in the way that they can, um, you know, build engagement with their audience. One thing I, I am thinking about, it's funny that you're, you're an artist. So like Web2 or just in real life, if I wanted to buy something of yours, it literally was just an exchange, right? Like I could buy it online and maybe you'd mail it to me. Or if I lived where you live, I could buy it and I could physically kind of take it home. But what we're seeing as far as the kind of utility aspect is longer term participation, like more of you, more of Chris, more of his future, more of the narrative he's trying to create. So like how important is, you know, longer term participation in terms of how that actually increases the value of NFTs as well? It's huge. So if, if you're an artist, the idea that you would just kind of make something and you, and you would sell it and then people would um, just continue to buy and buy and buy, um, you know, I, I think has kind of run into some dead ends for, for some artists because other artists are offering, you know, discord channels where they can communicate directly with the artist. There are meetups, there are parties, there are, you know, sometimes you get special drops, airdrops that, that come directly to you as a participant. And, and I think that that's, that's the big key with Web3 is that people want to participate on an individual level and they want to have an individual experience, you know, whether it's with art or whether it's through, you know, these collectibles or, you know, there, there are a bunch of other kind of VR-based experiences and, and metaverse. So we're going to be catering to individual experiences moving forward here. And I think that that's the big key of Web3 is not to just put it out there in a general sense. Chris, I'm going to show you my newbiness here, okay, and 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 share with you what how I understand utility as far as like from a creator perspective, and tell me what I'm missing here, or if I'm completely off. So I kind of see it in two ways where we have we talk about utility, we immediately go to like smart contracts, like something being uh, actually developed from a developer and it's on the blockchain and you're held to that. And I kind of think about that as like PFP projects, huge projects. That's when we bring in the developer and actually create a contract around that just because of the mass volume around that NFT project. And my assumption is that when we have like smaller projects, you know, maybe just as an artist putting their work out there, it's more of a system of honor there where if I write into the NFT description stuff, hey, by the way, if you hold this, I'm going to give you 10% off this or you get access to this or whatever. And it's like, hey, show me your wallet and I'll confirm it like on a one-by-one cases. Um, I know that's super messy. That's how I understand it to be. What am I missing there? Am I completely off base? Uh, you're, you're, not, you're not missing there. 
there's a range of complexity that people are employing. So, um, so artists who are really savvy uh, or who have hired developers have created smart contracts to deal with some of the, the kind of base operations or, you know, or web three websites where you can sync your wallet and it, and it looks at what you have, you know, and, and it determines your level of membership. So there, there are those complexities that some people are doing. On the flip side, I don't think that should be a barrier to to artists being creative with it. Uh, you know, I mean, you can do a lot of this based on Twitter and followers and Discord, and, you know, email direct contact with your with your audience. I mean, as an artist, you want to be engaged with the people that are that are supporting you. You're building you're building this this brand of you, and um, and in order for you to to build that and to get somewhere. Uh, you need to get. You need to build that following. You need to to create more visibility. You need to do. You know. You do your exhibitions. Do do all the things that get your work out there, and then you want to build up levels of participation so that there's a rewarding factor that people feel like there's a justification for you know for buying into you. The rewarding factor that you're talking about a lot of times might involve a very specific group of NFT holders. And if I want to do something for them, depending on the you know consensus model I'm using, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's proof of work and proof of stake. Okay, that's episode 55. We dive really into that. It's important to know because that's where gas fees and all those kinds of things originate. Um, so you could catch that episode, episode 55, or you could watch it on YouTube. But, but Chris, like, there's going to be barriers, right? If I want to provide utility, if I want to provide uh, unlockable content or whatever, and I want to address a lot of my holders at once, I might run into a problem. And I know you have a kind of a take on this and you, Greg, maybe have discussed it in terms of proof of stake. What are your thoughts on that and, and how artists or project owners should be considerate of that in terms of their investors? Yeah. So the um, the platform that I co-founded, uh, Creator Ranch, is a Tezos-based platform. It's a mobile NFT marketplace. And that is proof of stake. And, and we did that for a couple of reasons. One is that um, is that, you know, through my experience of being in the NFT space for, you know, since 2018, what my experience was is that the the tech barrier, the gas prices, the potential damage to the environment, um, all of those factors are going to influence whether or not the mainstream can get into to buying NFTs. The other thing that I that I thought is that in order for us to get wide adoption, we're going to need to scale to a much larger audience. You know, and, and Ethereum, while it has its its benefits, and I and I, I you know I have stuff on Ethereum as well. It becomes very expensive at some point if you want to if you want to mint a lot of items. Um, with proof of stake, you can mint uh, an addition of ten thousand for you know a quarter. And so the barrier in terms of being able to mint quantity, transfer quantity, burn as many as you want is is super low. And so that allows for all this fun gamification to happen. And so that's why I think a lot of the projects that have the greatest amount of utility have moved to proof of stake because it, it allows for that kind of option where you know you can have volume and then you can sort of run them all over the place uh, in terms of transferring uh, and then burn things down and their their challenges without you know every increment being pay fifty dollars of gas pay two hundred dollars of gas and uh, that becomes really expensive really quickly I just want to make one thing for the listeners if you are completely lost on on, on what he's talking about like so Tezos is a blockchain there's multiple blockchains there's layers uh, on the ethereum blockchain and obviously one of the big challenges that we might have it's kind of like if you're a business and you 
your client asks for a little, you know, a little bit of this or a different scope of work and you're nickel and diming them. It kind of feels like that sometimes if you own an NFT and then you think you're just going to buy it straight out and then all of a sudden there's a gas fee. And then, oh, not only that, but I need to actually wrap my ETH and that's going to cost me a little bit. And there's all these kind of little charges that, you know, make the experience a little bit less fun. And what Chris is alluding to, proof of stake is just simply a different way to buy on a different blockchain that is way more cost effective, way more energy efficient. And and that's why I think he's saying like the the, the people who want to provide the most utility are also going to try and do that with the least amount of effect on your wallet. So that's just it. Just wanted to give a little bit of background. I don't want to get ahead and act like we're not newbies anymore, Heather. So that's why I had to say that. You know we is. You know, and speaking of newbies, a newbie question that has come up over and over and over again is what happens when someone doesn't follow through on the utility that they established before? Are there repercussions? Is there some blockchain popo? Like what happens, Chris? At the moment, it's a little bit of the honor system, you know, and so we we hear the term rug pull, and that's what they mean by rug pull is there are a lot of these PFP projects that will announce a roadmap that is highly developed and uh, you know projects out a year, and then their initial sale doesn't go the way that they like it, and you know next thing you know they've they've rug pulled, they've basically taken everybody's money and they've dumped the project and moved on to the next thing, um, and those those holders are just left you know holding their their NFTs, which often end up worthless, and there's no future roadmap, there's no development moving forward. Hey guys, we're going to take a really quick break to let you know about a course that I went through that I really loved and it's called NFTs Simplified. Now, this is from Sean Spacey who came out with this really short, easy to digest NFT course to help brand new newbies learn the how and why behind NFTs, how to buy NFTs, what in the world is minting phase, secondary market, a little bit about security. I originally connected with Sean because I loved his graphics and the way that he was able to draw out and literally simplify this whole NFT game. And even being in the space for quite a while and understanding some of these basic concepts when I went through the course, I just loved it and actually learned some things. It's linked up in the show notes. It's NFTs simplified and it's only 19 bucks. So click over there, grab the course. If you're like me and you need to see things visually drawn out, Sean's going to help you out. Again, that is NFTs Simplified. Just on a kind of side note, I know you developed a marketplace. And one of the things that we've been asked a lot is picking the marketplace, picking the blockchain and so forth as an artist. I know we're getting off utility for a second, but I, I wanted to ask your opinion about the pros and cons from going against like a mainstream blockchain and going with someone like with, with you guys or, you know, you know creative branch, like what, what are some of the pros and cons and things that artists need to consider when choosing which blockchain to build on and um, which marketplace? If first you want to decide, you know, just the basic, you know, which blockchain do you want to be on? Uh, do you want to be on a proof of work, you know, which might have a higher premium and it has a little bit more history. And so I'd say, I'd say Ethereum is kind of the premier blockchain. And so if you're an established artist or you're somebody who, if you have a, a good degree of confidence that you can sell the NFTs for quite a bit of money fairly easily, then ETH might be a logical choice for you. 
If you're an artist that's just getting started, you've never done NFTs before, you want to try things out, you want to maybe make an addition that is very inexpensive and start to build an audience and build a following, then it makes a lot more sense to do it on a proof of stake blockchain like Tezos because it, there's no there's no minting cost. You know, you can get in and you can and if you make a mistake, if you if you realize that the market is not responding the way that you want, you can burn it and and it's very low cost and it's very low risk. So a lot of artists have have you know, come to Tezos and, and originally there was Hicketnook, um, was a, a, you know, decentralized platform that started really gaining in popularity last summer. And there was so much experimentation on it and artists supporting artists that it was a really fun platform to be a part of, but it was just very difficult to use in terms of the tech barrier. One quick follow-up on that. You, you alluded to it at the very beginning along the lines of like an artist branding themselves or marketing themselves, like that's a freaking skill set right there. And we talk about utility, like a lot of utility, it's like, well, I don't give a rat's ass about 50% off your store when, you know, you haven't really developed a brand and there's not like some leverage there. And so before thinking about utility, we also need to ask ourselves a question about brand. And is this something that's desirable for the bigger community? Do you have any like just words of wisdom from one artist to a next about just developing your brand and sometimes it's hard marketing yourself and putting yourself out there so that later on that utility is actually valuable. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a, a, I've been watching this um, as a, as a collector, but also as an artist, there's a desire to move at the, at the speed of NFTs, which is, is lightning speed. And so you see people putting, dropping, you know, every two days they're dropping a new NFT. and, And it's like, even, even with the most robust audience, it's very difficult for them to absorb that. So I think being a little bit more deliberate, you know, thinking about how you are, you know, coming into the space and how you're building your audience and then, and then being consistent, you want to be consistent because if you're, if you're not dropping something for three months, then your audience might go somewhere else, you know, but if you're oversaturating your market, uh, then uh, you're also going to run into problems there. So just trying to balance that out and, and really build some solid connections, communicate with your collectors and, you know, formulate your audience. We have two questions left. One, one question for you and then one from our community. But mine is on gamification. I'm not big into gaming and like some of these NFT games and earning tokens and staking and all this other stuff. I know that's a, uh, that's, that is a huge part of it, but there's other ways to make utility, not just like, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Now, there's contests, there's there's different mechanisms where you get community involvement, and, and that's kind of gamification as well. Can you talk to me about what that looks like, simplify for people like me who don't like the kind of traditional things and are like, I know Wagme's got some things up their sleeve, and maybe we don't need to talk about it yet, but if you have any kind of samples of, of what you mean by gamification... So Wagme Wines is a great example, and it's an offshoot from Base Fish Mafia, which I'm a, a community member. You know, in conjunction with Greg, uh, we came up with this idea that um, that we could create uh, NFTs as labels for bottles of wine. And there's a there's a game quality to it where you know we're going to produce an edition, you know, a white edition and a red edition, and we'll sell those, and then the buyers can choose whether or not they want to. Uh, you know, keep the NFT in NFT form or whether or not they want to uh, send in or burn their NFT, in which case they are, they are gifted some wine and they are entered into a raffle for potential, for potential prizes, you know, could be NFTs, could be in real life events and and such. And so it's not gamification as in you're, you know, you're plugging into like a, a, you know, first person player game or anything like that. It's, it's just a game in terms of 
trying to decide whether or not it's worth it for you to keep your item or whether you want to burn it and to and to take a chance at a raffle or you know get you you get your wine at that point as well you know trying to get people to kind of ride that line and that balance of of you know well what will my value be if i hold this versus what will my value be if i decide to take a chance at you know going for a raffle or or burning it for the wine and creating that dilemma you know, do people want to buy, you know, three or four to improve their chances? Do people want to, you know, kind of stock it away for a while and then see what happens and see what builds with it? And so that's kind of the, the simple utility that we're, we're talking about is this idea that as you move forward, the value of what you have continues to grow because the options for what you can do with it uh, become more significant. I think this may be a fair summary. Tell me what you guys think. But you ending with that, my first thing comes up is like, there's a lot of dedication from the creators in to make sure they follow through on that and they organize that and they make it a very fair experience. So when thinking about utility, I think a, a fair question to ask is not only what will my community want and be valuable for them, but also to what is my dedication level to deliver? Because that's another level I feel like than, you know, than some of the more simple basic utilities and neither is right or wrong, but we have to ask ourselves not only what's valuable, but what are we going to be able to execute on? Because that's a time commitment, Chris, what you were just talking about. Yeah. So we've got a really great crew and, you know, we've been fairly devoted to the Base Fish Mafia since launch. And so, you know, for us, this is a long-term project and, and, you know, we're thinking of it that way, that this is something that we can see ourselves doing, you know, two years down the road, five years down the road and expanding to other brands and other collections, other, other concepts, you know, so for us, uh, you know, we're, we're all diving in deep, you know, but I, I do think that there tends to be a, kind of a short-sightedness in the NFT community where it's, you know, a lot of these artists who have, have not been able to capitalize on what they do are now getting, you know, they're making quite a bit of money and, and that's their priority is, you know, Hey, let's just get in here and let's make as much money as we possibly can. And I think that they're going to run into problems because it's really short-sighted, but some of these projects have a really long-term vision about building brand and building, you know, IP and building, you know, a, a consistent base and and also uh, some scalability. Um, and so, when you're looking at projects, you know, you might want to think about those components when you're when you're thinking about buying in. Hundred percent, Chris. Where can people connect with you online? Twitter, it's uh, at c truman. Instagram, it's at truman chris. Also, Discord. I'm in the BFM community. You can find me there. I also I go by my name. I'm one of the rare people who use my name out in social media, so I'm very easy to find. <laughs> we're, we're with you, my friend. This is a very important question that you're going to think long and hard of and take very seriously. This comes from John Wilmshurst. What's up at John underscore Wilms? He wants to know from you, Chris, if you were at home and the house was on fire, and all of your family members, all of your pets, they're safely outside in the front yard in the green grass, but you only had one minute to run back into your house and save one thing. What would that be? Who's listening? <laughs> uh, if, I say, if I say ledger, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, man, that's, that's a tough question, but the ledger would be one of the first things I grab. <laughs> Be like, well, clearly, ledger? Yeah, clearly, I'd go uh, behind the TV where I have my ledger taped where no one could find it. You know, that's probably the first place I'd go. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally. That's hilarious. Save my digital awesome. assets. <laughs> Good call. 
Rich, bring us home. Yeah, well, look, everyone, uh, Chris, thanks for being here. And everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, Utilities is something we're going to continue to hone in on uh, because, like we kind of mentioned, the possibilities are endless. And we're now starting to get to the point where it is like, there's kind of like minimal effort in utility and it's starting to get kind of old and tired and we don't want that for you and we don't want you to participate in those projects because there's more to it than that, especially when we talk to people like Chris who are desiring to create something fun and long-standing. So we will see you next time. Make sure you check us out and join our Discord.